Welcome to Geek on Film with your host, Robbie Holmes. Hey there, folks. This is Robbie Holmes, your host here on Geek on Film. Uh, this week, our main review is going to be Napoleon. Uh, a couple of revisits having to do with the holidays and a few first time watches for me. Um, let's jump straight into the deep end with uh, my first rewatch, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The synopsis, according to our friends over to IMDb, is a Chicago advertising man must struggle to travel home from New York for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman as his only companion. This is one of those films written and directed by John Hughes. It is 100% a staple from my childhood. Uh, this film came out in... 1987. Uh, I definitely saw this film on VHS uh, at my house, probably in 88 or 89. So graduating from elementary school or freshman year of high school, it is uh, sort of one of the most amazing time capsules of a type of film that isn't made anymore. Uh, you've got Steve Martin is playing Neil Page, who is businessman stuck in New York trying to get home to his family, uh, John Candy playing Del Griffith, who is a random person that Neil meets on his way from New York to go home, and uh, chaos ensues. Uh, this is one of those sort of John Candy is chaos machine uh, inside of other people's lives. You had this film, you had Who's Harry Crumb, you had a few others that, ha that took place in that time period. This movie's fun. Uh, it really worked for my mother-in-law. Watch this with my mom, my mother-in-law and my wife. I don't know if I've heard her laugh harder, maybe at the next film, but laugh constantly at this film. So it was super fun to listen to someone else enjoy this film and really to get back to sort of silly 80s comedy and uh, see why we all loved Steve Martin. He was like this sort of uncomfortable curmudgeon and John Candy is this like, over-the-top blowhard who drives everybody crazy. And overall, you know, it, it's it's touching and poignant and silly and uh, a little of its time. Overall, I'm surprised that this film holds up as well as it does. So excited to move on to the next film, which has become a perennial film in my life because I'm married to my wife. Uh, her family uh, really loves National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's a film I think I saw in passing, and then it became a bigger part of my life because I now own it on 4K, and we watch it every year in some way, shape, or form. So uh, let's jump over to uh, IMDb for the summary, which is the Griswold family plans for a big Christmas, uh, Christmas predictably turn into a big disaster. I don't know that I can tell you much about this film if you already aren't aware of it. Uh, it's basically ground zero for an awful lot of actors that you knew and got to know. The Griswolds are played by Chevy Chase, who plays Clark, and Beverly D'Angelo, who plays Ellen, his wife, and then Juliette Lewis plays Audrey, his daughter, and Johnny Galicki plays Rusty, his son. So many amazing other people. You've got John Randolph playing his father, uh, Clark Sr. His mother is played by Diane Ladd. His mother-in-law is played by Doris Roberts. His father-in-law is played by E.J. Marshall. Randy Quaid playing cousin Eddie. You've got his cousin Catherine being played by Miriam Flynn. Just amazing actors everywhere. 
This is another film written by John Hughes, and this time it is directed by Jeremiah Chechik. It's a silly film. I don't know what else to tell you. If you haven't watched uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yet this season, what are you doing? Uh, It's silly. It's ridiculous. Uh, It makes everybody giggle. It's out of control and part of my life. Next up is Under the Skin, a first time watch for me of the film written by Walter Campbell, Jonathan Glazer and Michael Faber and directed by Jonathan Glazer. I was excited to watch this. I've never seen it before, especially ahead of Zone of Interest getting a wide release here in America. Um, Let's jump over to the synopsis of this film. So thank you, IMDb. A mysterious young woman seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland However, the events lead her to begin a process of self-discovery. So, uh, the movie is different. Um, I wasn't sure how to take it. I'm still not really sure how to take it. Uh, but the the woman who we mention in the synopsis uh, is played by Scarlett Johansson. Um, her character is named the female. It's never given a name beyond that. And uh, uh, the reality is it appears as though Scarlett Johansson is playing an alien who lures men to their death with her uh, her physicality, her sexuality, and uh, does this many times. And the physical representation of that consumption destruction is this sort of reflective black pool that they walk across while they follow her. And their entire body slowly gets enveloped by the black pool um, and basically is like walking across something that is like a quicksand, but they don't seem to be struggling. It's a confusing film. I feel like uh, I watched it the other day for the first time. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the film was trying to tell us uh, and what Jonathan Glazer was trying to accomplish. It's uh, confusing. It doesn't present straightforwardly what you should take away from it. Um, In this film, Scarlett Johansson is an alien and confused by her own body, knows that she can use it to um, lure men, but doesn't understand the form that she's inhabiting, it feels like. Uh, There's limitations of her physical form. At one point, she tries to eat a cake and ends up not being able to eat it, uh, ends up spitting it out. Uh, So did the alien creators of this form not give her the ability to consume food? She also tries to have sex with someone and apparently cannot because doesn't seem to have a functioning vagina. Uh, It's a really interesting film. I'm still not sure how I feel about it. I am really impressed with Scarlett Johansson taking on a role like this and being willing to bear it all to be a part of a story like this. Um, It's an absolutely confusing and confounding film. I can only imagine people who saw this at Sundance, I believe is where it debuted, being completely confused. But maybe they are better cinephiles than I am and they picked away... Uh, the story and and the actual moral of what they were trying to get to. Uh, 
it's currently on max. You should give it a shot. Um, I, I will revisit it, I believe just to try to give it another take, but my first pass through it, I walked away more confused than I was by reading the description. My first time viewing of Blue Beetle happened this past week. It's now on HBO. It's on Max, the one to watch for HBO. And uh, I was really uh, excited to watch it because I've heard pretty good things. So let's jump over to the synopsis from our friends over at IMDb. Uh, an alien scarab chooses Jaime Reyes. Uh, to be its uh, symbiotic host, bestowing the recent college graduate uh, with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary powers, forever changing his destiny. This is a film based on a current run of the comic books of Blue Beetle. It is uh, written by Gareth Dunneth Alcacer and uh, directed by Angel Manuel Soto. And... uh, I'm just going to say straight up and down. This film got a terrible short shrift in when it was released and when it, what was going on because this movie is rock solidly fun comic book movie. I am super confused as to what people had a problem with. I absolutely positively love uh, what is being done by the main actor in this film. Uh, Zolo uh, Maradueña is he is innocent and, and fun and chaotic. And then you've got Bruna uh, Marquezine, who's playing Jenny Cord, who's fantastic. There's so much going on here. The script is smart. It's based on the comic itself. It doesn't, it, it introduces an entire ecosystem of a Latino family that is fun and doesn't feel like it is caricature-esque. It feels like a family this movie is fun. It, I, can't, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, it's a, it is sort of the best aspects of these types of stories. You've got what if Spider-Man uh, got his powers through an alien symbiote, sort of venomy except not evil. So it's it's a blast. It's it's fun fun at every level it is heartwarming the family together is really fun you know you've got susan sarandon playing victoria cord who is really chewing up some scenery you know you've got harvey gullion uh playing dr sanchez uh you know guillermo from uh what we do in the shadows there's just so many individual actors here that are giving it their all and this movie deserved better than it was given credit for. It makes me sad because this could have absolutely been um, a film that was part of the new DCU, you know, the next version of the DC movie universe. And they chose to release it in this weird in-between time. It should have been released probably two or three years ago before the DCU imploded. Uh, But if we're going to be at this point where we know the last film in the DCEU experiment is going to be uh, Aquaman, the second film. And it comes out this holidays. Why not just hold this film until the spring? Why not release this film and Batgirl next spring? Would have been like instant DC universe, at least the grounding for the next generation of stars. 
it was fun. I'm sad. Uh, I will watch it again. I, I think it's a film you should watch. It's on Max. Go bluster its numbers. Help Warner Brothers understand that this is a film that meant something, even if they didn't care about it. Okay, that's it for rewatches and new watches, except for the main review this week, which is going to be of Napoleon. All right, here we are, folks. Uh, we're ready to hit the main review, Napoleon. Uh, our friends over at IMDb have a summary that is an epic that details the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte and his relentless journey to power through the prism of his addictive and volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine. First takeaway. This movie is more of a dark comedy merged with a battle film than it is almost anything else. Uh, I wish that everyone went in with that mindset and understood there's dark humor here and the take on these characters is not like a historical epic. It is a take on the humans that has a lens of dark comedy as to what makes them who and what they are. And I, I think it's very different than I think it was initially pitched. Um, you know, when you saw this as like, from the director that brought you Gladiator. And, you know, the reality is this is a film that, yes, those sort of battle sequences that Ridley Scott is known for. Oh, written by Dave uh, Scarpa, and it is directed by Ridley Scott. You've got Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon Bonaparte. You've got Vanessa Kirby as Josephine Bonaparte. There's a lot of other pretty well-known characters playing lots and lots of uh, this huge cast in this film. The sad part is mostly you just need to know the top two people. There's a lot of people who are jockeying for position. I think there is a longer version of this film that we have heard will possibly be released on Apple TV uh, in the near future. Uh, but at two hours and 30 minutes, I feel like this movie was skipping the surface of the film that Ridley Scott was trying to release. There are large swaths of this movie where I feel like there is a missing 20 minutes that would make it feel much more connected and more detail oriented rather than this sort of here's a high level moment and we skip almost 10 years into the future. I think the casting of Joaquin Phoenix felt a little gimmicky initially, uh, but I mean, he's proven time and time again to be a great actor. And when he works with Ridley Scott, he makes really good films. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is not given nearly enough to do as Josephine. I feel like I, I'm hopeful that in a longer version of this film, we will give Vanessa Kirby more to do and we will see more of that character's hold on Napoleon and how she either uh, felt about him or despised him or like there's a lot of like not really clear motivations that end up happening for her character that are missing for me. And I wish there was more to be had. I think my final takeaway on this film is I am almost wishing I had waited to see whatever gets released on Apple TV plus because Ridley Scott is a director who's kind of notorious for having a vision and then it being way longer 
than the studio is willing to release. And then he releases his cut and it's much clearer or more, more in line with his vision. So we as an audience benefit from the director's vision. The battle sequences are fantastic. There's scenes in this movie that I will never be able to unsee. There's a very early battle sequence where Napoleon's horse gets hit by a cannonball that is unbelievable. I I, I don't know how eff- they effectively pulled off the scene and made us feel like it was real. Uh, there's amazing shots that take place in the battles on... Uh, on the water where there are cannonballs and incendiary um, rounds that are being shot. And, and the, I think this movie does a really good job of reminding us that like Napoleon didn't take prisoners in, in all these battles. It felt like he was going for death and destruction and movement of his army, not on taking any prisoners. There's a moment where you realize in the battle sequence that takes place. It's in the trailer. There's a big battle. that takes place on a frozen lake. And it just feels like he wants there to be no survivors. When you have that mentality, it doesn't just extend to your enemies. He seemingly doesn't pay attention to or care that much about the losses on his own side. And I think that came through in this film. I wish we had gotten a little more insights or a little more internal conversation. I wish we had heard a little more from Joaquin about why he was doing what he was doing um, rather than this like show of military might, anxiety and scared man, even on the battlefield, but successful military strategist until he wasn't but what drove him this way rather than just sort of platitudes of success. I'm interested to revisit this when there's a longer version that will tell me more of what I was hopeful for. All right, folks, that's it for me this week. Uh, I'm excited to possibly see uh, the boy and the heron this upcoming week um, and have that be the main review. But there's also a possibility of jumping in to Godzilla minus one or Renaissance Stay tuned. You never know what's going to be on Geek on Film until the next episode where the title tells you. Uh, It's been really fun to uh, share Napoleon with you. And uh, I look forward to the rest of the the closeout of 2023. But all of these amazing films are now landing that are in the conversation for award season. So Go out to the movies. There's so much to see. This week alone, you've gotten May, December on Netflix. Poor things hitting theaters uh, starting today, but uh, in the next week, it'll go wide. You've got American Fiction next Friday. These are all films that I got to see at Middleburg, and uh, I look forward to everyone getting to see them and actually revisiting them over the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much, folks. This has been Robbie uh, for Geek on Film. Have a great week. This has been a Geek on Film podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.